to another week of Riffs and Scripts. Riffs and Scripts. You know, I could never Money. do that. Huh? I can't do I can't roll my tongue. <laughs> I sound like a car that won't start. <laughs> I started. I, 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 okay, so there's a thing. There's like a cat growl thing. Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> I found out how to do it, and it's like you have to vibrate the floppy bit. <laughs> like, what's the cardi B thing? The dangly thing that sits in my back of my throat. That thing. Uvula. Oh, yes, anyway. my urethra. No. I have to vibrate my urethra. Oh, dude, we just started. <laughs> Uretha Franklin's a great singer. Anyway, welcome That's to Riffs That's a great drag name. Oh, if my there isn't a drag name God. called Uretha Franklin, Uretha someone needs Franklin. to get on it, snatch it up, because that's actually Uretha genius. Uretha Franklin, somewhere you're listening out there and you don't know that you're listening. You know, <laughs> you don't know that you are yet to blossom into the butterfly of drag that is Uretha Franklin. I love it. Why is that suddenly harder to say than it was earlier? Because you're trying too hard. Think about it. Yeah, maybe because I'm drunk. Are you drunk? I'm drunk on life and this amount of water. <laughs> Dude, Hello, it's been everyone. way too hot today. I am like I'm fucking... unnecessary levels of sweaty. <sighs> mm. I don't mind telling people um, at uh, at home that today is the day that masks have stopped being currently worn, uh, and I'm still wearing mine, and quite a lot of people aren't. And I can, you know, uh, I I I don't agree with the choice, but I can totally see why in this heat, at least. Yeah. Do you know, um, I was quite impressed. Don't want to. I was on my way to teach today and I was just so boiling and quite knackered. I was like, I'm going to get myself an iced coffee. And oh. so I like pulled my car in to a little um, place on the way to work and w- walked over to a coffee shop. And I've got to say, I was actually really quite impressed with how many people were still wearing, wearing yeah. masks. I was walking mm. around like, respect everyone. I like this. This is good. So mm. in North London, people are actually yeah. behaving quite well. I was on Cowley Road today, which is one of the busier uh, roads in Oxford, basically probably one of the busiest roads in Oxford. And I went to uh, a little co-op and about two thirds of people were still wearing masks. So, you know, it wasn't like I expected it to be no. where everyone suddenly goes, I've, yeah. got, I've got loads of friends who are like immunocompromised and stuff. So it's it's bothering me. Um, I do understand where people are coming from, but hey ho that's not very fun I just think, not a very you know, look, fun look, intro you're allowed to go see your loved ones you're allowed to go out to restaurants and theatres again thank god but like when you're on thing. when you're on a train with like a hundred other people maybe just whack a mask on like I don't yeah. think that's a lot to ask but whatever I think culturally it's going to become a bit of an expectation like like it is in a lot of East Asia yeah you know, me too um, like if you're feeling a little bit ill on the train you'll just be wearing a mask, a mask yeah, you yeah. know um, sure. And I think it's going to be a thing about you know peer pressure and stuff. Here's a good example of peer peer pressure. Yeah, for sure. Um, but hey ho! Speaking of other parts of the world, Segway. Hey, boom, boom! He did it, everyone. Check that shit out. That was a yeah. really big clap. I'm sorry, I didn't so expect smooth. that to be like that was so smooth. lightning. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! That was that was like the smoothest thing I've ever said. Today we're talking about um that's the second smoothest thing I've ever said. I'll tell you what the second the first is later. Um we're talking oh, about traveling know. today. We're talking about traveling between places. I'll I'll tell you it is like an after after credits moment. It's the smoothest thing I've ever Can't said wait. in my fucking life. Okay. So um yeah, we're talking about travel. We both have to travel for for the nature do. of our work. Yeah. Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. Do you know what's interesting as well? Before we even get into like sharing funny stories and whatever, like I find it bizarre. I don't know if it's because it's if it's the situation where performers are more in the spotlight. People like learn about their lives and their struggles a lot faster. 
But like, we're not the only people that have to travel for work. And yet artists seem to be the ones where it's like, oh no, when I go on tour, my marriage will suffer. My kids will suffer. And I like, I, I know loads of bands that have written songs about it. Like a, a tangent within my tangent. Do you know the song Hearts Burst Into Fire? I bullet for my no, Valentine. No. It's actually one of the most beautiful songs in the world. I'm really not joking. And it's about missing his kid when he's touring. And it's really beautiful. Well, it's so like look it up. Anyway. Um, Amber, you've already hit into something I was gonna discuss. Really? Continue. Okay, we'll yeah, get there. I'll tell you about my it point later. is like we're not the only ones that have to travel for our jobs, and yet we're the ones where it's again, it's put on that pedestal, it's glorified, like, oh, what about your role as a parent? What about your ability to be stable? And it's like, oh my well, God, yeah. no one's asking an air hostess those questions. And one of yeah. my one of my mum's like closest friends when I was growing up was an air hostess. And it was really fun. She used to be that aunt that would always bring us fun trinkets. She brought, Because they would be from all over the world and it would be little mementos. And she was away mm. all the time. That was just yeah, her life. It was her job it's... to fly places and wait until they booked her to fly back. Absolutely. <laughs> It's not just artists. Like, like, um, also, okay, so pretty much everyone in the creative world, you know. I just like, realised my mic uh, was on quite loud. I'm really sorry. I'm going to turn it down a little bit. It's not just artists. It's, it's, it's anyone within the arts, for one thing. So, you know, you're talking about producers. And you're you're talking roadies. About, you know, ev- everyone who yeah. has to go somewhere. Um, but you know, stand-up comedians have to go there. All all kinds of actors have to to move around for their whole life. Anyway. If you're a good, if you succeed um, in entertainment, people, people want you all over the place. Like it is a good yeah, thing. Yeah, of course they do. But all kinds of business people travel all the time. My parents are librarians. They were going to conferences and shit all the time. Yeah, you know, there's some. In fact, <laughs> fucking hell, total total side tangent. Do you remember mobile libraries? No. Mobile libraries were a thing that only that kind of stopped existing kind of early two thousands. Where uh, basically you'd have, um, it looked a lot like an American school bus. It was like a truck, but it was like about as big as kind of a, a big splitter van. And it was um, a mobile library that you drive around, particularly to kind of deprived areas. And it was a way of getting libraries out to to people who weren't locally accessing libraries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know a theatre company that, that do that a lot, actually. And uh, yeah, my dad had a big role in it. And he once went to the um, mobile libraries national conference which was at silverstone the racetrack which isn't that far from me i think um and at the end of the day they raced them round. <laughs> you would though wouldn't you, can you imagine that? <laughs> oh it's yeah so i can oh uh, look up mobile libraries people at home later because they were a big deal my mum's done loads of interesting stuff about libraries recently but that's not what i'm here to talk about i'm a musician i'm not a librarian if only <laughs> yeah i'm the opposite of being quiet <clears throat> Sorry. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that, weirdly, that, that filters into something. The first thing I was going to say is that, um, yeah, the nature of touring life means that you're away from home a lot. Yeah. And, um, hey, one of the most famous, you know Metallica, don't you, Amber? Sorry, who are, yes, I know Metallica. Who who, who are Metallica? <laughs> I've been seeing who a lot of people again? saying, I love these metallic shirts. I don't know where they're coming from, but they're really good. They're Metallica shirts, okay? They're a band. They're like a huge band. <laughs> if you they're don't like know who Metallica probably is, probably the biggest oh, metal band. They really are, though. Probably. Like they are. Probably like, are. Come are like, on now. Ma- We're getting angry ma- at a hypothetical, but still. Just, yeah, for God's <laughs> sake, you made-up people, you made-up tweens that yeah. I have heard exist. Um, Everyone listening so is one like of their most obviously. famous songs. One of their most famous songs was "Nothing Else Matters," um, and here's how. 
the nature of travel and loneliness actually finds its way into the music because the starting riff for um, Nothing Else Matters is all on open strings. So it's on open E, open um, G, uh, B, and then the high E. Um, right, that yeah. sounds odd, but here's, 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 here's why it's like that. Because James Hetfield, when he wrote that song, was in a phone booth with his, with his guitar around his neck on the phone to his girlfriend. And it's a song about how he'd love to be home with her and how much he misses her. That's what Nothing Else Matters is about. Stop. And so the first start of it, he did, he had his left hand on the phone. So he, he was writing it while on the phone to his girlfriend. His so he had partner. to play open string. Yeah, so he was playing open strings. Now, the, the rest of the chords aren't like that. And he developed the song and put, you know, chords in it. Obviously, that's how you write songs. But it's just a, a funny way that that, that you know, it, it's gone into that bullet for my Valentine's song, as you said. It, it goes into loads of parts of um, people's lives. And there's, so there's countless songs. The lyrics it, to the bullet for my Valentine's home. song are actually stunning. It starts with, I'm coming home. I've been gone for far too long. Do you remember me at all? Because it's about having Aww. a toddler. And it's like, does my kid yeah. even remember me? It's like, huh! like metal music can be so really sad. beautiful when you want it to be. Like, yeah, absolutely, can be really dramatic at other points, but that's like part that, of the part of the gig, isn't it? Yeah, for Metallica, that was a big song because they had always been proper hard, heavy thrash band, and he, James Hetfield, wrote that song and was like, I don't know if I can really do that with Metallica because they've been doing, you know, first yeah. album Kill 'Em All, for example, which is really heavy. And then uh, he was like, I'll just show it to the band. Then Lars, and I suppose it would have been Cliff at that time, I can't remember, um, said, that's fucking great. That's, we should put that on the album. And that's, that, interestingly, became um, a bit of a contentious thing because a lot of the hardcore metal, proper metal fans were getting less and less uh, happy with Metallica because they kept saying they sell, sold out, which is a whole concept that annoys the shit out of me. That annoys what me that too. usually means is you wrote songs that more people liked and you got better at writing songs. That's what I think. Or just like we've yeah. had this chat, but it, people can grow artistically. Yeah, absolutely. Like people can change. They When bands have been, when anyone creative has been going for long enough, if you're doing the same stuff, it's kind of sad. Yes, like grow, li- like big, like change, move, think of new things. Like that's absolutely you know fine. What? This is a tangent, but I've been thinking this more and more recently. I've been listening to a lot of Biffy Clyro um, last couple of weeks, um, just because I think Biffy Clyro are fucking brilliant. And they mm. they actually did a Metallica song um, uh, cover recently, which is uh, why I was like, oh, I'll go back to them. And weirdly, I started listening to it, and I was just like, I want to listen to actual Biffy, Biffy Clyro. So I just went yeah. through their their list, and. Um, Similar time, someone was putting up on Facebook, someone I know was saying how, uh, oh, Biffy Clara shit now, they used to be way heavier, they used to be this, and now they're just writing pop songs. I'm just like, have you heard the riffs off the last album, you fucking idiot? Sorry. <laughs> Which is really getting angry <laughs> like, at Invisible some People of the, today. I, oh my God. But like, yeah, fucking big old riffs. Biffy Clara are fucking great. Anyway, um, so yeah, um, Nothing Else Matters is a song about being on the road, being away from home. Um, and... Uh, yeah, pe- people think that when you're on the road, you kind of go places and see interesting things. And nah. um, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that no doesn't fucking that. happen. Yeah, exactly. You're in a There's bus. There's no fucking budget for that. You're wheeled onto no... a stage and then they put you back in the bus yeah, where you belong. That's exactly <laughs> fucking it. There's no budget in money or time for that, yeah. right? So I've been to Edinburgh t- twice. I've seen three streets of Edinburgh, right? I, I-, I walked up to the castle... We didn't have time to go in because it was a 10-hour drive home. <laughs> so so we, we did this gig, slept over, looked at the castle, went, oh, that's a fucking big castle, and then we just drove the fuck home. Like, I said I'm this, desperate to go back up there. I spent my 21st on the train to Edinburgh, speaking of travelling for work. So, yeah. 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 
it was very sweet. Um, the boy f- tra- traveled up with me. So my 21st birthday was us on a train with a bottle of champagne. It was really cute. Aww, Someone, oh, sweet. there was this whole thing about the seating. So we couldn't, for some reason, we couldn't book seats together. There was like one dividing right. it up. Yeah. So we were like, well, hopefully someone won't mind letting us sit together. But when we got there, the guy said no, because he wanted an aisle seat because window seats make him feel sick. Now, to an extent, look, that's totally your right. You booked a seat because you wanted to book the seat. But also, like, we were a couple and we were just, what are we going to do? Sit, like, away from each other for five hours. But then we got a bit lucky in that there was this other couple who were, like, retired, who had the same Mm. issue. And they had an aisle seat. So they were like, well, if you, to this, like, guy, if you take our aisle seat and then between us, we've got two sets of seats together. Mm. And we all did a bit of a rejig, which worked out for everyone. So we got quite lucky. But yeah, mm. I wouldn't have blamed him. I actually went, okay, look, you know, your seat is your seat and went to sit somewhere else. And I could tell my boyfriend was really disappointed. Mm. And then... Trains in this country are pretty shocking anyway. Are they? In what way? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, just the, the amount of money you pay to sit next to a fucking toilet. Yo, I've, I spent I, more I, I, money I, on trains to Edinburgh yeah. than I've spent like yeah. going to Spain. Genuinely. That's exactly right. That's exactly totally right. Yeah. Like I, I went to university in Derby and I learned to drive halfway through my third year. And um, during my first two years at uni, I had a girlfriend back home, mm. you know, and my family, you know, all in Oxfordshire. So uh, I was spending, I must have spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds on trains for yeah. no good fucking reason that I can see. And every time I went on there, you know, someone would have booked something well in advance and all the seats were booked up. So I ended up sitting in the aisle, not in the aisle, but like next to the toilet outside, you know, in the... Yeah. In the um. Oh, I did that the first time I went to Edinburgh. The first time, time I went to Edinburgh, I couldn't get a seat and it was so crowded. And me, I actually remember me and the two girls I went, we just sat on the floor. Like mm. it got really crowded and you could tell people wanted me to stand up simply so that I was taking up less space. But I was also like, I'm here for five hours. I'm sitting down. yes exactly that i remember when i was going to art said i had like an hour and a half commute to and that was that was before starting the day and a drama school day is like intense yeah and then i had to do it coming home i had to then do my day facing my emotional demons and like crying on command and god knows what else you do at drama school and then i had to get on the train home (laughs) and it got to a point and and that was all before like my homework or my line learning. Exhausting, yeah. And it got to a point where I, I remember once or twice, I just sat on the floor of the tube and got a book out. I was like, I've got a whole book to mm. read, man. I don't care. Yeah. Like, it's one of those weird taboos. But I was like, nah, I, I have I lost that. that inhibition. I do that all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, if you're if you're at home, you know, interested in this part of the world but not involved in it, tra- travel in, in any kind of artistic sense is not glamorous. No. Okay? Like... You can't fucking afford first class and everything, and it's shit anyway. Uh, <laughs> you know, basically, and even if you all could, I you're saw not, was you're the... not there. You're not. You're. Yeah. You literally go there, perform, maybe sleep for yeah, a few hours. That's exactly. If it. you're lucky to get a hotel and not be sleeping on the bus, yeah. like in, in our case, we literally see the inside of a transit van, see yeah. the outside of the venue, see the inside of the venue, then later we'll see a McDonald's, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to hear. A good story about tr- transporting kit because I know you have okay. kit. Go for yeah. it. Um, so I'll tell you one specific instance, but first I want to just explain: you have to play Gear Tetris every single night. So 
you know, you have a, a van or a car is a finite space, and you have to work out exactly how you're going to fit fucking everything inside. Um, and so every single show is, you know, <laughs> it's it's a game of oh wait, I put this one thing in wrong half an hour ago, and now take everything back out. <laughs> we did one in I think in Wales or somewhere, or, or I think it was Pershaw actually. No, it wasn't Wales. It was Pershaw. Um, which I think is close to Wales. I don't know. I, I, that's the thing. I just see the inside of a van and then turn up somewhere. I have no idea where I am. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not driving. So um, yeah, for, for that example, we did a gig in P- Pershaw and we didn't leave the venue until about two in the morning because we had to unpack and repack the van three times. Um, here's my favourite example of how stupid travelling is. Um, I've talked about this show a number of times. This show in Ibiza, right? Yeah. So for one thing, when you go on a flight with a guitar you have to buy a seat for the guitar that's a thing because you can't fucking trust anyone in the world there are too many musician horror stories in our community of people who've put you know three grand guitars in a hard case inside another case and given it over to the fucking baggage handler and then you've opened it up and it's got a split neck or some stupid shit like that ridiculous so we do this one flight and we're taking all the really important stuff like Luke's snare drum. So do you physically put the guitar on the seat next to you? You and buy just a seat. Look the air hostess in the eye next like what? <laughs> oh my god, yeah. And one of the seats that we bought was away from the rest of us when we went back from Ibiza. So there's a bass guitar on its own. So what I did was I switched my ticket round. So I was the guy looking after the guitars. Yeah. And everyone else had the, had seats randomly all over the plane. Fucking yeah. mad. So um, you know, we're holding on to all this shit. And Luke, of course, being a drummer, has so much stuff. So we get off the plane in Ibiza. I'm taking all these guitars out. And blah, blah, blah. So we, we all split up the gear. We all, all meet up and then we all give each other our stuff back and we're wearing backpacks and blah, blah, blah. And Luke's like, Carl, I need you to take my fucking snare because this is too fucking heavy, right? So Luke has specifically paid for like a permit for uh, having a hard case with metal stuff in it. I think you can see what's going to happen here. Um uh for um his snare drum right right and so i'm carrying it because he hasn't got any more fucking hands because he can't carry all of his stuff no. so i'm walking through and we go up to um the thing in ibiza where and we're, we're running late for our flight right and so we go up to the metal detectors and i put it on the thing and say just so you know that's got metal in it and they're just like yeah, yeah go through go through go through not fucking listening to me and I was like, that's got metal in it and they go through and there's like there's loads of metal in this thing yeah i just fucking told you is this yours and i go Actually, no, <laughs> because Cole is radiantly honest to a fault. So I say, no, it's my drummers. It's his there. I have nothing to do with this. If you've got a problem, that makes it's his it, problem. That it's makes not it look mine. like you're like smuggling something. I yeah. fucking know. That looks because really Cole is no, a moron. No, this isn't mine. I'm just carrying it for a friend. I should have just, I'm just carrying it for a friend. It's you're all my You're so lucky crack. you're white. <laughs> I, I am so lucky that I'm white. But right now I'm lobster colored. But I'm so lucky I'm white. Can you white. imagine if that was me? Oof. Yeah, I know. I Oof. would have been randomly searched for the next You're five years in my life. You're suspiciously brown. I know. <laughs> Luke's getting really pissed off at them, right? So Luke's going, Carl, why the fuck didn't you say that? I'm just like, oh, it's not mine. It's your fucking thing. I don't fucking give a shit. I don't want to get, I don't want to get thrown in jail or get a glove up my bum. Um, and, um, uh, they start having a go at him and he's like, I'm holding the permit. Here's my permit right fucking here. And they go, no, it's not allowed. It's not allowed. So he has to take fucking ages. So we go through and we're like, the flight's getting later, the flight's getting later, we've got to fucking go, we've got to fucking go. But yeah, so that's a fun story about how I nearly got Luke done for um, some kind of drugs trafficking. This wasn't for a performance, but me and Kitty went on holiday together once and she just so happened to have a necklace that had a bullet on it, like a physical oh. bullet. Yeah. But like, 
it was clearly not in use. It was like a musket-looking bullet yeah, of course, on yeah. a necklace with something going through it. Like, it was just a charm. And they were like, you can't take that through. She was like, what? Like, you can't... And technically, she, you can't let someone take any bullets on a plane. Like, I get it. But also... that's reasonable, yeah. But also, it felt really <laughs> irrational. She was like, it's a necklace with... Uh. Yeah. So what she had to do was she had to post it home from the airport. And then mm. she she couldn't buy yeah. a, she couldn't buy a single envelope, so she's then sat on the plane God. with like a packet of like forty nine oh, envelopes. Like, what the fuck am I gonna do with these? This. <laughs> it really oh my annoyed God. her. Oh. That's so mad. I just think, yeah, oh. the inconvenience and the irrationality of it all just really bugged her. I just remember sitting next from the flight, just kind of laughing to myself while she was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with a necklace? that has got a broken bullet on it. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh man. We were like 16. That was, we went on holiday together the year that we all got our GCSE results. Do you remember those days? I had to give oh my, my school, God, yeah. I had to officially give permission for my brother to go get my results for me. And he called me and while well, we were in Spain and get, read out my results. Mad. Which was very sweet. Mad. Do you know what? I'm going to, this is totally random. I was going to talk about another thing about travel, but on, uh, on the subject of uh, picking things up on behalf of people, oh, I can make this about travel. I'm going to do a cheeky little segue. Um, so I posthumously picked up a medal for my granddad a few years oh. ago um, because he was on the Arctic crossings and that's the bit of the war that he was talking about a lot. That was one of the hardest bits of the war. So he was going, um, yeah, back between Russia and the UK. And, um, yeah, I picked up a medal for him and he was telling me about how, you know, it was so cold. They didn't have any of the proper gear that they were supposed to have. It was so cold that there'd be a guy out on watch during the night and the guy in the morning, his hands would be frozen to the side of the ship. So they'd have to chip him away. Madness. We don't know we're born. We don't know we're born. Anyway, that's a total random segue, but I wanted to talk about that because I love my granddad. So... Yeah, you see a lot of the insides of McDonald's. I think I've mentioned this before, but basically when you come out of a gig, after you've done all your networking stuff, you've loaded out all your stuff, you've chatted to fans, you've chatted and tried to make friends with other bands and promoters and people, it's X o'clock in the morning and there's nothing open except McDonald's and all the services because they're the only things that do 24 hours, especially that you can trust. You yep. know, yep, like yep. It might not Been be there. good for you, but... Um, but you know what it is. Yeah. You know what it is. And we and were having cheap. like oh, way too many of those. Yeah. Like it's cheap enough that it's not a problem. We had way too many of those in the in, in 2019, particularly just the nature of the shows and when we were playing them and where we were going. And um, the weird thing is that it kind of became sort of nice because you had this huge expenditure of energy. You know, we'd done this huge gig and um, we'd all be exhausted. And we actually would like to be in our own company and be in our little tribe and it's really fucking hard to do that at shows. Um, and doing it in the van is not really the same experience as actually being able to see each other and not feel a bit grim, you know, tucked away trying to get some sleep while Luke powers home at X miles an hour that he shouldn't, you know. Um, so, yeah, going into the McDonald's after the show and all crowding around a little table and, you know, deconstructing what you've done and talking about your plans for the future and saying, oh, this gig's going to be good, I can't wait for this, or, oh, tickets are sold well for this one, that's going to be great, you know, that kind of thing is a really important kind of nurturing experience. So though I bitch about travelling and it's not fun, you know, there is 
an element of it that is really good for you as a band because you grow a little bit closer and you experience oh, things in each sure. other's company and you have a unifying experience. And that's the best thing about being a band. I said before, you, think, you're being in a little gang together. I think inside or outside of work and performing, the biggest bonding experiences of my whole life have been traveling with someone. Absolutely, yeah. Like there's that's something totally about sense. it that's just lovely. Like me, Kitty, and, and like our third best mate, um, a guy called Laurie, we did a lot of little trips together when we were younger and I, I missed them for when we, when they weren't happening, like cause of uni and then our twenties and life and living in different areas and whatever, and not lining up work schedules or I really missed us doing trips together. And we had a trip mm. planned for 2020 that obviously got canceled, but we did like a, we did like a staycation. We did like a UK holiday and I just loved it. Or like when, um, after uni, Kitty was still living in Brighton because she went to mm. uni there, but also kind of wasn't done with the city, which was lovely. So um, me and Laurie surprised her one weekend by road tripping down together. And I hadn't seen him much for like years. And I was kind of nervous about spending that much time in a car with someone that I hadn't mm. seen in a long time. Like not nothing yeah. personal to him, but, you know, people change and whatever. And the whole journey there, we did all the cliche road trip music and Brilliant. stuff. And then Love on the it. journey back, we just had a really lovely catch up. And Aww. it was just brilliant and became really close all over again. Like, and they are still two of my closest friends. Travel, oh travel just has this in- amazing ability to bond I've people. Just, I've just remembered something. So, you know, when we were kids, me and my brother and, and my mum and dad, we would do a lot of these road trips to see family. I've got a lot of family um, in Kent and in Essex, right? So yeah. I, we did a lot of those long, long car journeys. And, you know, we've got friends up north and stuff. And we have recreated through fractured memories from my childhood. Yeah. This one cassette that we had in the car. We've made a Spotify playlist. Yeah. And it's all these songs from like the 60s, 70s, um, like all this amazing music, a little bit of the kinks yeah. and uh, some status quo um, and all these pop songs, you know, I feel like, I feel like I'm in love. All these all these wonderful pop songs that actually, for me, were a huge formative experience for my understanding and enjoyment of music. Yeah. Because that's what my experience of music was, sitting in the back of the car, you know, my, my brother playing on his Game Boy Advance or Game Boy yep, Color or yep, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and me not doing anything because I got sick. <laughs> Same. But, uh, listening to all these um, amazing bits of pop music. Even just um, you saying that, I've thought of like five albums from across the years because we would do the thing where an album just lived in the car for a period yes, of time yes, that's exactly and then what it did. eventually you'd swap it. So Eagles, Hotel California, massive, yeah. massive family album. Yeah. Songs About Jane was used a lot for road trips. It was a Maroon 5 album. It was the one that had this oh, love right, on yeah. it. It was a great road trip one. Um, beautif- do you know The Beautiful South? I've heard of The Beautiful South. That's one of mine and my mum's like our thing. Do you know what mm. I mean? When we go for a, a drive together, we grab it. Things yeah, like of course. Bowie. Yeah. Uh, you're right, actually. We had loads of Queen. Uh, we did loads yeah, of Queen. A lot of the like um, musical education happens on those long road trips. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And what were you saying a minute ago? You were talking about the fact, so you guys would have to drive yourselves after most of your gigs, right? Oh, my God. I, I, I'll kind of explain how this works, because this pretty much always works the same way. All right? Right. So me, Nath, and Luke... And uh, Barney, most recently, right? We're spread over Oxfordshire and Buckinghamshire. So we're kind of either side of Oxford. Um, and we're about maybe an hour from each other. 
So what we'll tend to do is Luke, Luke has a big van. Uh, I think he's still got it. Blimey, I know he's got into motorbikes recently, but he has a big van, had a big van. And we would typically drive to Nate's house, which is an hour away from me. We'd all pile into the van there. We'd bring all our individual stuff. So I'd bring my mic and my uh, wireless mic system and I'd bring all the merch because it was my responsibility to do the merch. Mm. And, uh, you know, Nate's stuff would already be there, obviously. Luke would bring all his drum gear in his van already. We'd go to Nath's, driving maybe an hour from me, maybe half an hour for Luke. We'd go in there. We'd pile all of our stuff collectively in the back of the van. Uh, and if Barney was there, he'd come in, bring a space, we'd do the thing. Then we'd pile in the back of the van, and then we'd just drive to wherever the fuck we're going. Be that Scotland, or Birmingham, or Sheffield, or Manchester, or, or Cardiff. Yeah. You know, like, wherever it is, it always made sense for us to go to the same place every time that was relatively central to most of us. Um and so we're talking about hours and hours of driving. So that's why that's why we were like, we need to be breaking even money wise on all these gigs. We need to be making money from these shows through Just you know, a fee travel, and yeah. through Yeah, because in terms of petrol a lot. Masses of money, hundreds and hundreds of pounds a month were being spent on was being spent on petrol. Um each of us individually and as a collective in the van. So it was just fucking mad. And Luke Luke's been using that van because he 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 was recently a painter and decorator as his kind of main job. Um which meant that it was his van for work and then we got to to use it use in it, the yeah. evenings of the weekends, you know what I mean? So, you know, and you know, you function in rehearsal. Again, we live a little bit further apart than I'd like, so we all travel to rehearsals. So there's a lot of travel involved. It's a huge part of our lives. And it means you have to account for everything. There's um, a thing that you may know about is that people in bands have this opinion that you you should always stay for the other bands. You should always, always stay for the other bands. And otherwise, if you don't, it's rude. And if you don't, it's rude. And if you leave after your set, then it's really rude. And, you know, I suppose there's a bit of a point there. If there's no bands on, if there's no, fa- no, no, no fan base turn up, then that totally makes sense. But if it's you and, like, loads of fans, and I'm coming from fucking... Oxford to I don't know Manchester or something. Do you honestly think if I'm the first or second band on that I'm going to stay for two more bands until the middle of the night before I drive home before I've got to get up for work the next day a lot yeah, of the time? Yeah, you know because yeah. that happens all the time. Be getting practical. up for work at eight o'clock when you're getting home at four o'clock. You know and you're so wired you can't fucking sleep anyway. You know it's yeah. it's a huge part of the deal and you have to account for everything. Anyway, enough of me moaning. As I've said, it's a really important thing that unifies us. My um, one of my most miserable acting jobs, genuinely, yeah. was because I was on my own and doing loads of driving. Have I talked about this before? Yeah. It was. I don't know. It was like the first job I got out of uni. Like I got it myself off my own back when I was twenty-one, and it was performing mainly in retirement homes. And there yeah, were yeah. some other um, like exceptions, like uh, oh my god, I can't remember what they're called, but this very charitable Christian organization. They booked us for their for their Christmas do, um, things like that. Some, things like that. Yeah, that kind of um, stuff. Yeah. I was at one where it was um, people with educational needs, and it was their care homes. It wasn't always retirement homes, but it was it was community based stuff, right? So yeah, yeah. The woman running the company ran ran a decent ship. You would all we all drove to hers to rehearse, and what she did was she booked a different person for a different area of the country. So she had a girl from Scotland girl from Wales, me from down south, someone near yeah. her, near Manchester. We all learned the same hour-long shows. There were two. And then we got given our schedules and we drove to our bookings, mm. right? But, like, 
the whole of the south of England is still a big area. Massive. Fucking huge. <laughs> for you to be Fucking the one colossal. doing all of it. And this was a couple of years ago now. This was like six or seven years ago. And I don't think she completely took into account the practicalities of some of these journeys. So mm. she would put it into AA route planner, if you remember that, and be like, oh, great, you'll get there in an hour. And it's like, that is not huh. going to happen. It's Christmas. No. It's busy. The weather conditions are shit. It's pitch black. And sometimes, mm. and there's traffic and, you know, and depending and you're on- from London. <laughs> and I'm from London. But like, this is the thing. There were days where, and also like, my schedule would have like, if if the, if they'd been, if the people, like the care home or whatever, had paid in advance or if I needed to collect payment off them. So it's not mm. even like the show finishes and I get straight in my car. Do you yeah, know what I mean? I have not. to, I, so my routine was, I got given my schedule. I had to get up very often at the crack of dawn because I would be doing- th- three bookings in a day so i would have to get to the first one by maybe 10 or 11 in the morning but sometimes they were like a three-hour drive away and i'm really not exaggerating so and it was all by myself in my little like yaris in december in the pitch black mm. like no one to talk to no Which one is a bit t- fucking frightening sometimes to be honest i mean yeah but that wasn't even the issue it was just draining it was mentally and it was so yeah, lonely yeah. and like i'm an actor i'm not a lone wolf do you know what i mean i like company so, like, mm. I would get up at the crack of dawn, I would drive in the dark to my first booking, I would have to unload my car, I had to set up, like, a makeshift stage. It was, like, a big metal curtain yeah. with speakers and all the stuff behind all it. All this, yeah. I had to do the hour show, pack it up, sometimes ask for payment, yeah. get it all back in my car, repeat three times a day. Yeah, that's, that's exactly, yeah, like our by myself, so like, set up, yeah. It became, it became a thing for me to stash... Like, like things like baby bells in my car, because like that little dense cube of cheese would, oh yeah, would help me keep going. Like, oh yeah, we do, we yeah, yeah. And there were times it was just so like, and and this is no one's fault, but like for example, I remember there was one day where I needed to collect the payment. I already knew I had a really long journey, and it was going to be very tight to getting to the next place on time. Mm. And someone in a care home had a fall, right? And when somebody oh. old and vulnerable has a fall. It takes a lot of time and gentleness to get them back up. But I'm stood there like, I need to be paid. Like, I can't leave Mm. without taking payment. And I tried to nicely say it. And this woman was like, well, as you can see, we're quite busy right now. She could have turned to someone and gone, there's an envelope in the office. Can you give it to her while I take care of this lady? But she got really defensive about Mm. like, like, this is more important than you and your money. And it's like, but but I have to do my job. I am still doing my job. And I got so lonely and exhausted and drained. It was the year I got into podcasts. I downloaded (laughs) hours of podcasts because I couldn't listen to music for that long all day, every day. I just needed the sense of conversation. And like, there was a stage where uh, she paid for me to go stay somewhere down in East Coast, like Sussex area. But then on one of the days... That I so in theory to then do a load of bookings around there, and she did pay for me to stay mm. somewhere. But then on the second day down there, I got a booking in Archway, which is in North <laughs> London. I was like, why yeah. have I just driven down here for a day later to practically drive yeah. home? And like there was, I remember mm. that day because I I got up at like six in the morning, and the lady, basically, I wasn't staying in a hotel. I was staying in this house of a retired lady who had a spare room that she rented out. And this woman was awesome. She was so mm. cool. There was loads and loads of sports memorabilia all over her house. And I was like, 
what did she do? And I was like, I don't think that she was a reporter because she had personal stuff. There was this huge, mm. huge like Wimbledon flag with writing all over it. And I remember looking at it because it was on the way up the stairs. It was on the wall as you, you walk past it going up the stairs. And I saw a note that was like, oh, promise you'll come and visit. Lots of love, Maria. And I was like, Shara Pova? Shara fucking Pova? Like, and I was like, that's not the kind of thing you give the press. And I was like, maybe she was like a physiotherapist and, and mm. she like had all their backs. And I asked her, I was like, I've got to ask, what did you do? And she said, I, she was a physiotherapist. I was really proud mm. of, of my um, detective work. Brilliant. So basically the union for um, tennis athletes uh, had a rule that Wimbledon had to have someone on site. A in, dedicated, yeah. Yeah, and that was her. So um, Wimbledon yeah. hired her every Isn't year cool? to just be there. Most of them had their own people, but Wimbledon had to supply them for their own health and safety rules. And that was her. So I, she was lovely. She had like this tea tray next to my bed with like a little portable kettle and milk and sugar and everything. And I had my own bathroom to use. But I remember one day I got up so early and that was the day I had to drive to Archway and back. And it was midnight by the time I got back. So I had had, mm. I don't even know, like an 18 hour day. And Mad. she actually was awake Mad. in her little office and she came out and she was like, you have had such a long day. I heard you get, I heard your alarm go mm. off this morning. And I actually had a bit of a cry. I was like, I don't know why she, and I was like, I don't know why I had to drive to North London today. And I just got here and she, and I was like 21 and just exhausted. Um, I got ill doing that show because I just, mm. there was no downtime and it was so dark. I was driving in. And also retirement homes aren't like in busy built up areas. They are in countryside areas. Yeah. Areas that I didn't know. I had to map read constantly. And this was before yeah, yeah, like yeah. apps got Google, good at Google telling maps. you where to yeah. go. I just had to like follow a line on my phone, but it wasn't like, it didn't work as a sat nav. It wasn't telling me what to do. I had to work it mm. out while driving and there were points where like I'd be on these long country roads and I cannot see in front of me and I don't mm. know the area. I was so exhausted. I, the only full day off I had was Christmas day and new year's day. Genuinely. Man. And like after that, I never went back to that company and I have never done one of those jobs since because I did mm. not go, I did not put all of this effort and time and money and love and passion to following something that I love to take the bookings that make me that miserable. Mm. Do you see yeah, what I mean? Of yeah, yeah. That was quite a rant. There you go. I've, no, it's fine. I, I've done a few jobs where you know we've we've both waited tables. You know, I I yeah. um, hate it when it comes to Christmas time, and they're like, right, you've got you. Generally, they go like, okay, you either get Christmas off or you get New Year's off. Yeah. And for me, they're like, that. oh, do you want to do this one as well? And I was just like, no, I fucking don't. Yeah. That wasn't the agreement. And they try and make you work both of them. Yeah. Been there. The, the, do you know? What? There's a complete flip side to something you just said. Is that you know. Um, being on your own driving to a job you know and you you getting lonely weird thing for me is that i'm quite at home driving on my own as long as i've got something to occupy me whether it be music or for instance i'm a nerd and listen to D D podcasts a lot mm. um and uh i actually have very fond memories of when me and you met yeah when i would get up super early and just drive and i'd stop at the same service station each day and pick up a protein bar mm. and then i'd um yeah you know, some sugar to keep me going stuff like that 
and then um, head off and then go to the um, thing for four. For sure, but the then when you know? got to set, you were surrounded by hundreds of people. By it by wasn't people all the you time, weren't doing nice, it from people. like <laughs> seven a.m. till ten p.m. on your own for like two no, months. No, no. <laughs> Very different. I mean, the other thing is something's just occurred to me: is that actually doing that job reminded me of being in school again, and I think that's why I enjoyed it. What the extra because, job? Because when you're in school. You go and you see people roughly the same age as you. Actually, it doesn't really matter if they're the same age as you. You go and see people every day. It's the same people that you see, but there's hundreds of them, you know, 250 of them, and you form relationships with people like me and you formed our friendship. And, you know, there's a few people. There's a guy I know um, called Carl who I met um, at that extras job. You know, we met met a few different people that we kind of kept in touch with. Um, You didn't probably know. Oh, my God. So Carl made this a career. He's like... He he's um he's a black guy who was wearing a suit, um when we um when we were doing it. He was one of the two people. There were two people who walked together always in suits. And what I think it was one of them was Carl, and one of them was a guy called Michelle. Well, um, the guy that walked with Michelle. Guy. I was going. I was just about to say to you. I remember Michelle. I think it, I, th- I think it was the guy who walked <clears throat> with Michelle. Um, but um, Carl. This is the crazy thing. He's been in fucking everything. And I mean fucking everything. He was in Thor and he was in yeah. um, uh, Jurassic World. And he, he's made a career of it. He's been in loads of Avengers type stuff and loads of, loads of stuff. I can't remember her name. the fucking weird thing. Okay. I keep watching stuff and then he fucking and turns up. <laughs> I was watching. I was watching new tricks. He did loads of work in the early 2000s. I was watching new tricks. I, lo- I love loads of British um, TV and British um, kind of detective type stuff. So he's in new tricks. And he's just a fucking guy sitting in a circle. It's like um, Alcoholics Anonymous and he's one of the extras and the camera goes past and I go, it's fucking Carl! And then there was <laughs> haunted um, by Ashes Carl. to Ashes. I think it was one of the first two series of Ashes to Ashes. You're just fucking in the office in the background. And I go, yeah. Carl, what are you doing? Now you're a policeman in, 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 in 1980s London. I was like, what the fuck are you doing there, Carl? So um, if you're watching this, Carl, uh, watching, listening to this, Carl, um, I think you're a cool man. He's really interested in roller coasters. What a legend. My final thing I'll mention, I'm going to take you totally to the other end of the spectrum Mm. and talk about when I was absolutely spoilt when it came to traveling for work. Oh. And when I did that movie when I was 13... The, the kids' movie. Of course, yeah. Called, called, fuck it. It was called Fishtails. I need to I need to undo the embarrassment I feel around this film. Because Whoa. I because people were horrible to me. People would yell quotes from it at me. People came into really? school and told everyone that it got bad reviews. Like I what got shamed for it. I know they were a bunch of cunts. They really fucking were Call them what they are, Amber. Teenage Call girls can are. be so horrible, but my point is it led to me being crippled with embarrassment around this film because it flopped. It flopped. I was in a film that flopped. But guess what? I had the lead role in a feature film when I was 13 and they yeah. flew me to Greece for it, bitches. Yeah, so fucking great. I got, and do you know what? I'm not going to, sometimes, yeah, look, I'm just going to be really blunt. Lead actors get treated so well in films. Now, I have spoken about this before. It is not because you're better than anyone else it's because you are expensive to replace (laughs) it Mm. is that simple we've had this chat before so i won't go into it again but also i was a kid um so obviously i wasn't going to drive myself anywhere but it was also about just they knew that exhaustion was a thing so we so we got picked up and driven to the airport we got flown to greece we Mm. got collected from the airport 
we got driven to a rather lovely hotel. So um, the hotel had like different options. So you had the what you would expect from a hotel room where you have a bedroom and a bathroom and a little seaty area. Me and my mum got given like a mid-range thing where we got given um, like a two-floor kind of apartment. So uh, as you walked in, to the left was one bedroom area with an ensuite. To the right was like a sofa and a coffee table. Then if you went down a flight of stairs, like a nice little spirally staircase, you had another bathroom, twin beds and a kitchen area. So it was a step above a hotel room. But then this place also had two or three actual like mansions, Mm. like mansions, beautiful, huge houses as part of their hotel. So it was it was a bizarre experience. Um, But yeah, so we got quite a nice one. We weren't stuck in a room together for months, but we weren't living large. We were very comfortable. Mm. There was a pool, which was great because A, I love swimming, but B, I had to do a lot of swimming for the job. So I had Mm. I, I needed to practice holding my breath for long enough. And they they got a trainer for me in the lead up to it because the longer this little girl could hold her breath, the the more they could get out of a take. The more, it's, yeah, it's that the more simple. The takes, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we it was just lovely. I got flown out to Greece every morning at like, and we did night, night shoots, which I think I've spoken about. So it just became when, and also I, I worked a lot to the point where my mom actually had to properly call my agent and like get her involved because the mm. contract said I was going to be on like a maximum number of hours because that is the law and they were breaking it like every yeah. day. I was doing uh, I was doing over 12 hours on set when I was 13, which is illegal. Mm. Like let's be really yeah. honest, it's illegal. And um my agent and they kept just and because I was I was like happy as Larry. Like, I'm no, ready to go. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm high energy. I'm loving life. Um, but my mum was like, this is too much. And my agent had to get involved and be like, you cannot treat her like that. Um, and they had to like negotiate time off. And they also said to my mum, you're going to write down every minute that girl is on set and you're going to get paid for it because the pay mm. would is only for a few hours a day and that's not what she's doing. Um, mm. So that was a whole thing. And, and I also had to juggle it with tutoring. Ugh, that was the worst part. Like having to then go and sit and practice mm. fucking trigonometry. Um, oh but yeah, lovely. The travel element. Like the Harry Potter kids. Yeah, the travel <laughs> element was so great. I I had I got flown to a tropical part of the world, and even when we did have the occasional day off, we didn't know what to do. We were on this island. It wasn't mainland Greece. We had one day trip to mainland Greece, which was fun. But mostly, Mum and I would just walk around, look in some little shops, sit at a cafe. And go back to the hotel and swim or sunbathe or read books or watch movies. It was so fun. Like, That's cool. it was such a great experience to just Aww. get blown out. <laughs> oh, it was great. Okay, so as you guys know by this point, every week in the lead up to uh, Camden Fringe Festival, uh, we're giving some shout outs to some different productions and independent theatre companies so that if you can, you can go give them a follow, go see their shows, support independent art. So these are the ones that we have this week. First of all, we have Catler and Burning Pages Theatre Companies present their debut production at the Camden Fringe 2021, Mary and Miatek. After discovering his grandparents' old love letters, Ben makes a last attempt to uncover the future of his relationship with Alma after being separated by borders, Brexit and their own uncertainty. Based on the real letters of Mary and Miatek from World War II, the two-handed romantic journey explores love beyond borders, 
from 1945 to present day. The show will be on at the Hen and Chickens Theatre, big up Hen and Chickens Theatre, um, the 25th to the 27th of August at 7.30pm. You can read more about the show and book tickets um, at a website called Unrestricted View. That's the website that the Hen and Chickens use for their tickets. Uh, forward slash Mary hyphen Miatek. Miatek is spelt M-I-E-T-E-K. We hope to see you there. Oh, I've got one where it doesn't describe it straight away. I quite like it. No, it it's nice the way in. yours is written. Yeah, right, go for fun. it. Yeah. Okay. Robin's in her second year, loves her tutor, has a job. Robin's great, but Robin's ticking. Robin sells feet pics. Robin chose violence. Ooh. Robin's sorry. Tick Tick is Rachel Heritage's debut Edinburgh Fringe performance, working alongside her company Lockdown Projections. A one-woman show that follows Robin, a media student on the brink of exploding under the pressure of circumstance. With themes of anxiety, online sex work and the goddamn rent, Rachel hopes to share a story for anyone suffering in the shadows. It will be performed at the Etc. Theatre at 11.30am, August 9th to the 13th. Lovely. That sounds fun. That does sound fun. Who hasn't sold feet pics on the internet? <laughs> I have, like... <laughs> I don't know Your what the what, what the said. opposite of fetish is, but that's how I feel about feet. I just don't shit. They are the opposite of sexy to me. <laughs> but I I do like the way that was written, and it, it is very that was intriguing. so well written. I really I like enjoyed reading that. that. Thank you, thank you, Rachel Heritage. <laughs> right, we have one more. Um, I'm just going to read the email because I like it. It says, hi, folks. Hope you've had a good weekend. Thank you very much. Uh, I've seen your post regarding the Camden Fringe promotion. Such a kind offer. And I hope I'm not too late with sending this over. You are not. Don't fear. Please find attached a few lines about my show. Uh, Fabulette. Yes, like silhouette. Fabulette. Fabulette 1933. Fabulette 1933 is a queer one-person musical Set in 1933 Berlin, and it features music ideas and live classify, lives classified as degenerate by the Nazis, as well as original songs. It will play at the Canal Cafe Theatre from the 8th to the 14th of August. Again, that's Fabulette 1933. I feel like the theme today is stuff that's hard to pronounce. It's not just me, is it? <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. With both Fabulette also and Mary and Miatek, I had to reply. The reason they're being read out this week and not last week is I was like, I just don't want to say it wrong. Can you tell me how to say it? So there we go. I love that we've given everyone at home a cluster of shows to watch in August around the same time. Like, Yo, like the second weeks. Was I it 8th know, to right? 14th, your last one? And this, this, my one was 9th to 13th. Guys, you've got so much to do. You got a, we got a former community of Riffs and Scripts fans who just keep meeting at theatres. I would love that. Do you know, I had this, like, I can't, I think I was watching some, something on Netflix that was, like, a, an award for a comedian and loads of, like, other comedians all showed up and it was really sweet. Um, and I was just, like, envisioning a version of the next year of the world that I really want to happen where just all of the arts clubs are just flooded by us all and we're just constantly <laughs> watching... Good shit, bad shit, in between shit. Like, I just want to be meeting and seeing and enjoying as much of it as I physically can. Boom. And I just think everyone Boom. should. I just, guys, come on. It's so valuable to all of us. Like, I don't think people realize how important this little world is and how much of an effect we actually have on people. Lush. And just, mm, yum, yum, yum. I yum, love, yum, 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 I yum. love the little underground world that I am a part of. Aww. Me too. Right. The mine's different. 
Mine has a lot more sweaty, horrible, beardy people fighting each other. How do you know that we don't? They're not fighting, actually. They're not fighting. Maybe your ones fight more. Our ones are all softies. It's, oh my it's gosh! The big, big colossal irony. It's the it's the colossal irony. I, I've thought about this a lot. Is that you know? Oh, in the nineties, we're going to make someone look like aggressive bullies, so we put them in leather and spikes. I'm just like, oh, all those people are the people I'd much rather be around. <laughs> you know? So like, I'm really glad you said this though, because something came out of the news this week that I really wanted to bring up. Trigger warning: sexual assault. So okay, here we go. I can't remember his name, and I don't care. He doesn't deserve the credit. But another frontman of a metal rock band has been arrested for many counts of um, grooming slash just straight up rape of underage girls. And when I was reading it, first time hearing about this. When I was reading it, I got really upset. And then I remembered that on our podcast we talk about how safe we feel at rock gigs, and that is true. They are in general very safe spaces. But I, I know this sounds obvious, but I really do just have to say. It is never okay for adults in bands to be taking contact details with underage people at gigs. If you mm. happen to be listening and you are 15 or anything around, along those, even 16 or 17, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, you, and someone says that you, they spotted you from the stage and thought you were gorgeous, that you're so mature for your age... Fucking run, get out of there. Tell yeah. any of the other people around you and they will have your backs. I just had a real horrible feeling when I realized that we are talking about how safe these places yeah. are. And like anywhere else, there are people that want to abuse that atmosphere. And I just had to bring it up. It is never okay. Tell someone, tell the bartender, yeah. tell a friend, tell a stranger. They will get you out of there, please. Yeah. And, oh. and and honest, honestly, rather than like dictate to you, if you are a younger listener, listener, you know, it's it's not normal for people who who are that much older than you to to be attracted to people who are in their kind of mid and early teens. It's no. not it's not it's not like a normal thing. No. Like there's a reason why they're not with people their own age. Yeah. And that's a bad reason. Okay. Yeah. So. In the same we're not, way. We're not just trying to shout at you and tell you what to do. Not at all. You know. But like, like think of it this way: if it's you're a case 16. Of safety and, if you're 16, you would not date a 12 year old. You would be like, no, Ill. you wouldn't. I have grown and changed so much since that age. It's fucking weird. So, someone who's yeah. 25 should be feeling that way towards you. I know that yeah. sounds kind of harsh, but they should. And if they, they don't, it's a red flag. And that's um, not to disrespect you either. No, not at all. I just, I just remembered how much we talked about how safe these places are and just felt a need to kind mm. of put that in there. Like the little internal mummy in me just kind of had to. Should we say something nice and happy and funny before we finish the Please. podcast? Because I don't want it to necessarily end. Should yeah. I tell you the smoothest thing I ever said in my entire life? I would love to hear it. Okay, so I was working the bar in Whitney at a rock bar called Fat Lils, right? Yeah. Now, I was with a girl at the time. I wasn't doing anything, but I, I had the smoothest line that ever came into my brain. And I was just like, I have to say it. Otherwise, like, I'll never otherwise have I'll said it. I'll regret it forever. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that relationship finished, you know. So anyway, I didn't do anything. <laughs> It was Halloween, Worth right? It. And I will be honest, being a straight man working behind a bar on Halloween is the best experience in the world because all the girls want to get served and they're all in different sexy cosplays. And I'm just saying, you know, like, it look, was great. It's not a secret. We, we, we try and flirt with our eyes to get served. Exactly. I'm not the and only I one. And I loved that. Yeah, okay? for sure. I fucking loved it. Anyway, <laughs> at one point... Just like, oh, hey, you. This... Hey, I'm so thirsty. That's exactly <laughs> it. Like... 
What's what's weird was that I was tagged in loads of pictures and there were loads of girls who clearly pulled their tops down for when uh, they were serving me and then pulled them back up again as soon as they walked away from the bar and stuff like that. That's what was happening. <laughs> anyway, it was yeah, fucking Yeah, that used to great. happen at uni, I remember. <laughs> it was fucking brilliant. Anyway. anyway so you're, um, you're loving so, the, the attention. Yeah, and then this stormtrooper comes in, right? And you can tell it's a lady in the stormtrooper costume. And I was like, oh, well, well, you know, you can't do anything. And she takes the helmet off and then does the proper L'Oreal advert, one of them, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Right. And comes up to the bar and I, and I say, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Now, Amber, you don't understand why that was the greatest thing that's ever been said, I think. But that was the greatest thing that's ever been said in the fucking world. Okay? I... That's the line that Leia says to Luke when he rescues her from the detention cell in the first Star Wars film. And I was like, oh, it's fucking hell. That was the be- it was the coolest thing I've ever said in my life. Okay. And no one was there to see it. Um, I th- I'm so sorry, dude. I think you've told that story. Fuck! <laughs> well, folks, you've been listening once again to Riffs and Scripts. My name's Cole fucking Bryant. <laughs> my name's Amber fucking Zava. <laughs> What a perfect ending. (laughs) I was trying so hard not to repeat myself from all the stupid shit I've said in the past and then a girl going to throw away the same line. That's how important that moment was to me. I'm I'm trying to think if I've ever been smooth. I really am. I don't think I have. I mean, I've only done it twice and one of them was today. So, you know, one of them was that segue earlier. Yeah. And the other one was the Stormtrooper Day and that's just it. Yeah, and that's why I have to say it over and over again. Maybe you've not listened to that episode of the podcast. For sure. And I have to, I have to get the maximum reach. Yeah. Anyway, folks, uh, I think that's it for us today. It so, is. So uh, remember, drop us an email with, with questions, with anything you want to promote, um, even just to say hi, uh, riffsandscripts at gmail.com, or please follow us on... Uh, on Instagram, we are Riffs and Scripts Pod, and there's also a Facebook page, Riffs and Scripts. There We're we pretty go. consistent. But Boom. for some reason, we've just not bothered with Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I think I just Twitter drains me. Anyway, Same. I think that's it from us. Anyway, thanks so much for listening, you guys. Sweet. We'll see you next week. Much love. Bye-bye. Fuck. <laughs> it made a great ending, though, right?